Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Today I did a lot of research, and uh, when that research was concluded, I realized the purpose behind many Men in Black incidents, many encounters with Men in Black. I understand now what's happening, I think. Uh, and maybe that maybe you will too after I talk about it. I, uh, there was a rabbit hole that I basically crawled into, uh, and when I got to the end of it, I think I understand now the purpose behind Men in Black. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to take you to the beginning of that rabbit hole, and then we will get to the my conclusions uh, when we reach the bottom of this rabbit hole. Anyway, I was doing some research today, and uh, there was uh, I was reading some Passport to Mangonia. Of course, that was a, a UFO book that was published in the late 1960s by uh, researcher Jacques Vallée, and there's all kinds of little tidbits of from different cases that have occurred over the centuries actually in this book it's very interesting there's an index in the back and i was going through all these cases looking for things maybe something i might not have seen before and there was one i did come across that i never heard of before it was something that happened in the summer of 1933 right here in pennsylvania in a town called chrisville and it says here a man observed in the morning a faint violet light in a field between the town this town Chrisville and Morristown. Walking to it, he found an ovoid object three meters in diameter and two meters thick with a circular opening similar to a vault door. Pushing it, he found the room full of violet light and observed many instruments, but there was no occupant in it. But there was also a smell of ammonia, which of course that rang a bell because we all know that the uh, there have been instances where people encounter alien creatures and they stink of ammonia particularly uh most famously is the 1996 Varginha Brazil case where uh some witnesses to uh an alien creature that was seen there uh, smelled this being smelled s strongly of ammonia but i also noticed that uh, uh this little piece that Jacques Vallée had included in this uh, book that he put together actually he got this from uh apro the july 64 1964 bulletin from apro which apro is the uh, aerial phenomena research organizations which is organization which is now defunct it was something that uh was started in the 1950s by husband and wife team jim and coral lorenzen and he uh they they put this bulletin out for for uh decades until they died uh both of them passed away eventually and uh it's no longer uh something that uh is out that there is no apro anymore basically and so it's something similar to mufon but anyway i i then i that caused me reading that seeing apro you know i i, I was thinking to myself oh, maybe i should go read some some of these apro bulletins and i was i was actually online reading some apro bulletins and some old apro bulletins and i found one uh from march of uh 1976 and uh, it was a very interesting story in there a story that uh, i really didn't know too much about but now i do after researching it all day i i know a lot more about it now and uh and i think it's one of the most amazing alien encounter stories i've ever come across and most certainly one of the most amazing men in black stories on top of it uh so there was the incident itself involving an extraterrestrial encounter and then the aftermath which i think is actually even more amazing than the the initial encounter 
uh, it's called the Johnny Sands case. Now, Johnny Sands, uh, his real name was Arnold Smith, and this guy was a country western singer, and unfortunately, he passed away in 2019. Uh, and but but before he did, uh, there was he talked about this incident back in the seventies, and again he talked about it in uh, in twenty fourteen actually uh, on a, a YouTube channel uh, called Mister UFO's Secret Files. There was a almost an hour long interview on there that I I watched today. I actually watched it like three times. I watched this interview three times. It was it was so amazing. I watched it three times, and this unfortunately this web this YouTube channel was operated by UFO re- the late UFO re- researcher Timothy Green Beckley who unfortunately passed away in 2021 but uh, I am going to play some segments from this interview uh, which I think you will find in, in, in amazing and of course I'll leave the link so you can check the entire thing out for yourself uh, but first uh, I want to go through some of this article that appeared in the bulletin the APRO bulletin from March 1975. And it says here, the last extended intensive period of UFO activity took place in the fall months of 1973. And at this time, it appears that the fall months of 1975 and the early months of 1976 duplicated the flap of 1973 with one major difference. Whatever the UFOs are, they seem to be getting bolder. And in the abduction cases under study at APRO, there are emerging threads of uh, continuity in relation to descriptions of occupants as well as the objects themselves. We are also encountering warnings to the victims concerning what they will remember or what they can talk about if they do recall their experiences. A case in point is that of Johnny Sands, 30, a country western singer who, at the time of his alleged close encounter, was living in Las Vegas, Nevada, where he was trying to promote his first recording and was appearing in a show. A polygraph test administered by Robert Nolan of Robert H. Nolan Associates of Las Vegas indicates no deception. Again, as in the past, the occupants are a new type, as can be seen by the accompanying sketch, which was done by a professional artist to Mr. Sands' specifications. Mr. Sands' account is as follows. Now, before we get into the uh, account... Uh, you can see now, I, of course, for the thumbnail, I'm using this picture of this alien creature. I've never seen an alien creature that looks like this. Basically, it's, uh, of course, it's humanoid. Now, the one mistake that was made, of course, the uh, the suit that was that these beings were wearing were actually black, and but the artist made it white by, by accident, I guess, for some reason. But it, they, these beings also had, in addition to having a, a flattened nose on their faces... Uh, they had gills, apparent gills on the side. And anyway, we're going to read this incredible story and uh, we'll uh, talk about it more. It says, <clears throat> he had been out driving to the surrounding towns to check out on how well his record was faring at the radio stations and on jukeboxes. He had left Perumph at 10 p.m. and was driving on the Blue Diamond Road and at about 10.30 p.m., about 22 miles out of Las Vegas, he saw an unusual craft. He didn't pay much attention to it, he said, although it seemed to follow him for about three miles. At this point, the car's engine began sputtering, so he pulled off the road and got out of the car. He walked around the car, removed the gas tank lid, and shook the rear end of the car to determine whether he had any gas. He could hear the gas splashing around in the the tank, so he replaced the cover and went around to the front of the car and lifted the hood. It was at this time, looking up, he said, that he saw the craft above him at what he estimated 
estimated to be about 1,000 feet altitude. Sands said uh, it was about 60 feet long and shaped like the Goodyear blimp with a large round ring at the midsection. Uh, continuing here. He also said it had windows or port portholes, round portholes, about 10 feet in diameter and about 5 feet apart around the circumference of the ring or donut section with a light between each. The object was rusty orange in color with flashing red and white lights on the ends. It moved slowly over the mountain to the south of him, lighting up the mountain as, and, as it did so and appearing to land. Then, Sands said, he turned his attention back to his car and started to take the air filter off. For some unknown reason, he turned and looked down the road in the, in the direction his headlights, which were on low beam, were shining, and saw two figures approaching. He could not make out any details and at first thought they might have been muggers. Then he said he froze. He doesn't know why. He wanted to move, but he couldn't. <laughs> Imagine that. You're in the, on the middle of a desert highway outside of Vegas in Nevada, and next thing you know, there's two creatures coming toward you and you can't move. How frightening could that could Imagine how frightening that would be. Anyway, continuing here, it says the two figures came toward him, one stopping about three feet away while the other stayed about five feet beyond. Sands described them as perfectly bald with no eyelashes or brows and with gill-like protrusions on either side of their faces, which moved rapidly all the while they stood there. The eyes were small black and the centers or pupils were white. Sands said the mouths were very small and never open and that their noses were pug or flattened. Sands estimates that the whole episode from the time he spotted the two figures until they walked away into the desert took about 10 minutes. When they left, they walked about 150 to 200 feet away the, uh, the, uh, away. then, Sands said, a flash of light came up and they were gone. So they just basically disappeared. Just disappeared. Imagine seeing something like this. The road on which Sanders was traveling is paved, but he says he only encountered four cars during the trip and that the last one passed by going toward Pahrump just after he pulled off the road. He had jumped out of his car and tried to wave it down, but although the car slowed, it sped up again and continued along its way. After the encounter with the figures, Sands tried to restart his car, and it started with no trouble at all, and he drove on into Las Vegas. When Sands initially reported his experience, he went to the police, who referred him to the Office of Special Investigations at Nellis Air Force Base. The spokesman for that office said that the Air Force had stopped probing the UFO problem in 1969, when Project Blue Book closed, right? And that the office only handles internal criminal matters. He also said the base's radar picked up nothing unusual that night, but only the base's runway headings were being monitored. A spokesman at the McCarran Airport Tower said nothing unusual was noted on their surveillance radar, which covers a 55-mile radius from the surface to infinity however he did note that the radar is is line of sight and would and would not register craft beyond the mountains uh so let me just stop there so he's the, of course the air force wasn't looking at the these cases anymore they you know because what could they do i mean it's it's beyond their control right obviously so that's why that was one of the other reasons the air force when Project Blue Book closed, because there's nothing we could anybody do about it. What are you going to do about these things? The Air Force, they were, we're totally powerless to these creatures coming from other worlds, obviously. Uh, 
So they just what they do instead. They pretend there's nothing. There's nothing to it. There's nothing we could do. We don't believe in that stuff. Go call, go call the police up. Let them uh, investigate it. Like what are the police gonna do? Anyway, continuing here, it says, The 10-minute episode is the fascinating part of San's story in addition to his description of the humanoids who, although one asked him the number of questions, requested that he not reveal anything of the encounter. Sans has only revealed a part of what happened, saying that if he revealed the rest, it would be a breach of trust. So basically there was some things that these beings said to him that he, said he never talked about throughout his life. Anyway, it says the questions the humanoids who who was the humanoid who was standing closest to him asked of Sans were one, what was he Sans doing there? Sans responded that he was an entertainer and was in Las Vegas to do a show. Two, why were so many people in Las Vegas? Sans said that it was a tourist type town and that people came to Las Vegas from all over. Three, what is your means of communication? Uh, to which Sands replied that he didn't understand the question because there are several different means of communication. The humanoid seemed to become irritated and said, answer the question. Sands repeated that he didn't understand, whereupon the humanoid turned to the other and the two just stood facing one another for two or three minutes. Then his questioner turned to Sands, reached out his left hand and brushed Sands' left hand and told him, don't say anything about this meeting. We know where you are and we'll see you again. The two then trooped off and disappeared in a flash of light. <laughs> Sands said that the voice of his questioner was deep and the words came out slowly and almost mechanically with noticeable spacing between each and an echo-like quality. However, although he could tell that the voice came from the man's body, the mouth did not move at all. So obviously, of course, these be this being that was communicating with him was using some sort of telepathy. Sands described the humanoid clothing thusly, a black, silverish, all-encompassing overall. The artist got his shades reversed in the painting, with no visible seams. When the questioner brushed Sands' hand, it felt like rough, heavy-duty sandpaper. Besides the white strap, which ran diagonally from right shoulder to the left waist, there was a wide, white patent leather-like belt on which there hung capsule-shaped objects which were silver-colored and about one inch long. They appeared to be hanging on hooks, and the man twisted one of them all the while that he talked to Sands until he brushed Sands' hand and turned and left. The men, uh, men is in quotes, were about 5'7 or 5'8, about 140 pounds, Sands said, and their gloved hands had a thumb and four fingers like normal humans. He also noted what appeared to be padding over the top of the feet as well as across the back of the foot. The feet were covered by the same type of material as the rest of their bodies. They seemed to be very light on their feet and made no sound as they walked as if they were off the ground, although Sand said they were definitely touching it. So they seemed like they were gliding. Their feet were touching the ground, and they, but they didn't seem like they were walking like a normal human being. Very strange. Also very interesting is Sand's description of the face of the one who talked to him. The face was wrinkled. Now, body-wise, he looked as fit as a 21-year-old, but in his face, facial structure, I don't know, something gave me the idea this guy was 300 or 400 years old. It's a very powerful face, a very powerful set of eyes. He's not so ugly as he is powerful-looking, Sands told investigators. The machinations of a film crew... Well, I'm not going to get into the film crew stuff here. We're, we'll, we'll, that, that's coming, we'll, that will come later. Now, uh, there was a guy uh, who was the Bonapro uh, field investigator in, in Las Vegas, John Romero. Apro, the, the Lorenzans you know, had him, had Sands contact uh, the um, 
contact uh, Romero, and the, he set up uh, this uh, polygraph test, which was which he passed, uh, according to the article here. Uh, they asked him all these different questions, and uh, it, he he passed the test with flying colors. Uh, he wasn't lying, according to uh, uh, the guy who gave him the, the test, this uh, uh, Nolan, who gave him the test. Uh, so, I guess uh, what it says here. Actually, we'll go to the article here to go about that. It says a total of three charts were obtained obtained using the above relevant questions. During these three charts. Mr. Sands indicated an ability to respond automatically to vocal stimuli. His responses in the critical areas were not consistent with deception criteria. After careful examination of this subject's polygrams, it is my opinion that Mr. Johnny Sands was truthful in his answers to the above relevant questions. I am not attesting to the truthfulness of the whole story that Mr. Sands has told, only to the veracity of his answers to the above relevant questions. That was a quote from Nolan, the uh, investigator who did the polygraph test on him so uh, but that wasn't the end that wasn't the end of this incredible encounter uh, it actually the story actually becomes even more incredible and uh, what happened next was uh, he met with he met with uh, Romero at the ho- at the hotel at the Sahara Hotel because uh, they he invited him over because that that the sketch that we're see that you see that I'm using for the thumbnail here is also that I'm showing you right now. That sketch was uh, drawn at the Sahara Hotel by an artist. But during the drawing of that sketch, two guys showed up, two two men in black, and uh, here is a segment where Johnny Sands, while he's getting interviewed by the late Timothy Green Beckley. Uh, talks about what was going on, what happened at the uh, when he was giving the when the artist was drawing the picture. I was asked to come back to the Sahara Hotel and get an artist. Uh, they were going to bring in an artist and do a rendition of the aliens where I'd seen. Right, right. And so this is where this guy came from. And as they were setting to draw these pictures, uh, two men approached me. Uh, we were roped off in an area, and these two men approached me. And uh, while we were, I was trying to explain why they had gills. I said, I don't really know why they got a nose and gills. And uh, one of them leaned over kind of awkwardly. I mean, like he was out of balance. He was dressed in black. Mm-hmm. His hair was slicked straight back, a lot of greasy look to it. He looked real Caucasian, real uh, squinched eyes, uh, real shiny. Uh, eyes, dark, shiny eyes, and uh, but very, uh, very piercing eyes. Mm-hmm. And he leaned over and said, "Let me help you." He says, "They are probably from a planet known as Sirius." Mm-hmm. He said, "Sirius is eight and a half light years from this planet," and said, "In the orbit of Sirius is some uh, a planet where is known to be an Aquarius type planet." And said, but it's very hot there. And so what they would be doing was be living part-time underwater and part-time on land. So they would breathe through the nose on land, breathe through the gills underwater. And now, uh, this person that approached you and said this to you, do you think he was something other than a, uh, a an Earth person? Well, at that, that particular moment, I didn't. Because at that particular moment, he just answered the question. It sounded... 
uh, more, I didn't know where Sirius was. Did he identify himself? Oh, no. He didn't identify himself. Mm -hmm. And the guy with him never spoke. The guy with him was dressed just like him. And he stood over this way. I thought maybe they, uh, the, their clothing didn't look up to par. I mean, up to date. But I thought maybe, you know, they're from another country and just don't quite understand how we got things together. Yeah, you, you thought know, you don't yeah. dress like they that. Ain't they ain't got anything. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no rhinestones for that. Yeah, that was yeah, gone. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I, I was curious because he would lean in my face to talk. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, after he answered that question, the other one was looking, they were looking at each other, making signals like they were communicating uh, what we figured out later without talking. And so he looks at him and looks at me. He says, we got to go now, but we'll see you again real soon. Well, that's what the aliens had told me. That was the last words they said. We got to go, but we'll see you soon. So you kind of thought there was a connection, maybe? Well, immediately I did. And uh, I had an ex-police officer with me from Philadelphia. He had heard what I had told the lie detectors and he what I told them. Now, was this the same night or the following night? No, this was uh, about... Uh, two nights after yes, the actual okay. event, mm -hmm. and uh, were so, you 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 your story uh, made it? It was on the front page of the newspaper. It was on the newspaper there, the uh, mm -hmm. Vegas Sun. Was it on the TV as well? Uh, yeah, it was on TV. Mm -hmm. It was on TV. So and, people then, for a couple of days, maybe might have recognized you if they were passing you by. Uh, yeah, they would have known me. Yeah, they, probably. Mm -hmm. uh, but they they wouldn't have known about serious. No. Uh, oh no. Uh, no. Uh, and and but the other thing is when when they said that we'll see you soon, I, I t the police officer looked at me. He said, "Did you hear what they said? You said the same thing the Malian said to you." I said, "I know." And he said, "Well, have them follow." So security was standing over there. We says, "Would you mind following them fellows to see where they go and see who they are?" And so he followed. And they were approximately uh, uh, eight feet in front of the secu uh, the security guard. And they went out the side door, which is actually for entertainers to go out. And they didn't go out the front door like the normal people would have yes. done. Mm -hmm. And so nobody was in that hallway but them and the security guard. When they got to the double doors, they pushed them open. The security guard made about seven more steps, and he went through them. And he turned around and walked back in. And he looked pale as, as this alien did. Yes. And he says, they disappeared. And uh, I says, what do you mean disappeared? He said, they gone. I mean, they they gone. They vanished. I mean, like in midair. He says, I don't understand it. He said, there's no cars. There's no nothing there. And there's nowhere for them to hide. They gone. And uh, so that really began to make us really think, who are these? What is this? And so I'm thinking maybe it's government. I don't know what it is. I think it's some kind of a thing that they fix to do. Uh, try to nail me to the wall thinking I'm trying to pull some kind of hoax or something. So anyway, I told John, I said, let's go home. So on our way home, John took every alley, back alley, side street, everything he could, looking back in the rear view to make sure no one was following us. No one was. And when we finally got to where our, our apartment was, uh, we got out of the car and no one got out of the car. A long black Cadillac limousine drove up down to the road, and the passenger side and the back seat windows rolled down. And the men that were in the hotel stuck their head out, leaned, and looked out the window. They had another guy in the car driving. 
Then they rolled the windows up and drove off. Well, that really bothers us and began to bother John. Now John was a sparing partner with Leon Speaks. So John wasn't no little pushover. John was a very tough man and he fought crime and worked against uh, drug lords and everything else in Philadelphia. So he didn't scare easy, but this was beginning to scare him. And he said, this is getting to be something strange here. So now isn't that incredible? So they, these men in black disappeared. But not only that, they disappeared, but then somehow they were able to follow these two people back to uh, show up back at uh, Johnny's house, Johnny's apartment, and then you just drive by. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story because then they got a phone call from somebody named calling himself Dave Dunn from Dave Dunn Productions. And this story even gets even weirder. So listen to this. I was contacted at John's house. Uh, nobody knew John's number. Nobody knew about this. We wouldn't publicize this thing. We was trying to get away from it rather than get with it. And uh, by a man, he called himself Dave Dunn. He said, I'm with a production company out of Hollywood, and we want to do a documentary and go out there and help you with this thing. Maybe we can get to the bottom of it all, because we're going to investigate, and we're going to help you out, and make it go away if that's what you want. I said, yeah, I want it to go away. And he said, well, if you'll meet with us, we'd like to meet with you, and we'll discuss what we want to do. So he gave us a an address and a, an apartment number to where to come to. And so I told John uh, to go with me. And so we wrote it down and we went mm -hmm. the next morning. Uh, when we got into that, uh, knocked on the door, uh, this Caucasian looking man opened the door. He wasn't dressed in black. He had a turtleneck sweater. It was kind of grayish black on. And uh, he invited me in. As I come in, there was another man at the door, so I mean, it was standing against the bar, and uh, one at a door that would lead into another room. Uh, they never spoke. Uh, this guy called himself Dave, asked me to sit down on the couch. I said, they had just luxurious furniture in this place. Mm -hmm. Looked like he'd come from England, heavy duty, brilliant looking, looked like hand car stuff. Now they uh, they said, that, without a doubt, they said, I'll tell you, uh, uh, we believe what you're saying, and uh, we want to film this thing and go out there. And they asked me, would I go back to the location? And I said, yes, I will. Mm -hmm. And so they said, uh, uh, what you ought to do is write a song about this experience. And they said, well, write one. And I said, well, I was thinking they wanted it for the, the documentary. Yeah. But So I said, well, I'll work on that. And they said, you work on that this evening, and we'll see you tonight. Mm -hmm. So I went back, and we started writing on the song. Well, I put, uh, that night, uh, I got most of the song done, and the next morning I got with uh, uh, this uh, Dave Dunn again, I went back. And, you know, he, was he a middle-aged man, or? Uh, he looked to be in his 40s. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, clean cut? Yeah, very clean cut, uh -huh. but Caucasian looking too. Yeah. Uh, spoke and, regular English though, no, no yeah, accent, no anything like that, yeah. And, uh, so I came back and played him some of the song. He told me, he said, change these words, say sphere. Uh, he said, and uh, tell about them talking to you without using their mouth. He said, this is very important. And be sure and tell them about the, the, the uh, uh, being froze. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, 
So I put all that together with it. And anyway, that night I met with him. So I didn't get a chance for him to hear the final version. Uh, so we were supposed to meet at the De Desert Inn Hotel. And so I went out to the Desert Inn and uh, I met with him. I, I was supposed to go in and meet him in the lobby. and uh, But we couldn't get to the lobby because we were about three blocks away in the parking lot uh, because of so many people there. And so John was with me. And so we'll, I said, we'll walk up to the lobby. And so when we started uh, to get out of the car, the Cadillac limousine pulled up. And it was Dave Dunn stepped out. And he had a, a, a martini glass in his hand. He said, hey. And I said, how in the world did you find me? He said, because we was looking for you. And uh, he said, look, I got this for you. And he handed me a martini. And then he reached back in and he handed out another was glass. And he says, I have one for your friend. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he gave it me one and him one. He said, y'all get in. So I got in the back seat with me and John. And there's another guy in the back seat and the driver and Dave Dunn in the front seat. And uh, he said, we're going to the desert. So we went out to Blue Diamond Road. Well, he said, tell me when you get to that location. And well, when we got there, I said, it's right here. Mm. Well, he didn't answer me. They kept going. And I said, Dave, it was back there, right back there, turn around. They kept going. I kept saying it to him. Hey, you, did you hear what I'm saying? I mean, it's like they were in the trance then. And so they drove about six miles. Past the, the vent where yeah. you had this. And then they turned around, made a U-turn in the road and pulled over to the uh, other side of the road, headed back toward Vegas. And when they parked, they said, we'll be back in a minute. And they got out of the car. And I said, what's going on? Well, when they got out of the car, all these lights started shining on us. And then here come these people stepping out. And they were all in black. And you couldn't see them because they, uh, they were behind the headlights. But when they stepped in front of them, they were all standing there. And between 25 and 30 of them. You know, Will Smith got nothing on you. <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, no, uh-uh. Uh little ray gun, little aliens. Yeah. Weird looking. Nothing like this. Nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but they were arguing about me, uh -huh. and, and there was one leader. He seemed to be stronger than the rest, and he kept pointing his finger at the car, and he says he knows too much. You got to cut this off. It's got to end now. So now these these how many of them do you think there were these men? Twenty five or thirty. Uh, there were lights strung up for a hundred feet yeah. uh, across, pointing at this. Now, did they all look the same? I, you really couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. They were no, just kind no. of figures, yeah. And, and you, could you make out any of the vehicles, or they were just the lights? You couldn't much? see the vehicles yeah. at all. Uh, nothing but headlights. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it looked like they were vehicles, cars. Could they but, have been UFOs? Uh, no, I would no, think. No. I, I would think they're cars. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, but being so many of them is what, what kind of got to us. And uh, so, anyway, after the argument, I, I, I said... To John, John said, looks like something, you got somebody stirred up. I said, yeah, I'm going to get out of here and see what the problem is. Uh, okay, but now here, come, here comes the strangest part of the story. Yeah, as yeah. I started to get out the door to go out to talk to these men, something looked like from the Adams family, the it, the little fuzzy creature, mm -hmm. run up to my door, and I seen another second one standing. So I slammed the door back. And I looked at John and I said, did you see that? He said, it looked like a cactus running into the car. I says, it's some kind of a fuzzy looking thing out there. 
He says, well, don't open that door. I said, well, I ain't going to open the door. And I said, but there's two of them standing there. And I said, you know, I don't know what's going on here. Uh -huh. Well, he thought maybe they had spiked the, the martinis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I was beginning to think maybe he's right, but I know all these people over here are arguing and fussing about us. Well, about you that can tell you can usually tell when you're elusive. You, you know, we, yeah, I, I don't when know you feel, you know, but yeah, you can tell. We didn't you know, feel yeah. like we were. We yeah. felt like we were in a situation yeah. that was yeah. something was going David, wrong. Yeah, yeah. But all of a sudden, they turned and they came back to the car. So I figured we'll get the answers when they get in. So they get in the car. That guy gets in the back with John. Now John would be normally the guy, though, this is strange, to want to reach over and grab him by the neck and say, look here, Joker, we about fed up with this stuff. But John was real mild and mellow about it. Uh, John was kind of sent back listening for answers more than, more than anything. And I said, Dave, what's going on? He never answered me. I says, you know, is it something we've done wrong? He never answered me. Nobody spoke. We drove back to the desert. Now, the, uh, what happened to the cars that were parked there and the, the, the men and black guys? They the just, lights went off? The or? lights went off and we drove off. Mm -hmm. uh, they never left. I never seen them. We never yeah. seen them. As we went down the road, we never seen them more of them. Uh, what time of night was this? After midnight? Uh, no, it was around 10, 30, 11, 30, yeah. something like that. Uh, so uh, we tried to make it so similar to the time that it actually... Uh, I see. Okay. So, all, all right, so now they took you back into town. Uh, yeah, back to the Desert Inn. Uh, we got in our car. They still didn't speak, so I just got out of the car. So I said, well, maybe I don't know what his problem is. Well, it sounds like they might have been under a little bit of mind control or something uh, there, right? Well, I don't know what it was at the time, but I know something wasn't right. So I talked to John when we got home. I said, look, we need to go over and see this guy in the morning and find out what the deal is and what's going on. Pretty weird, huh? But guess what? There's a little epilogue to this little tale, and uh, because it's even stranger, it gets even stranger. Here's the epilogue. So the next morning, early, we got up, and we got dressed and went over there. And I'm knocking on the door, and uh, I keep knocking. Nobody won't answer the door. And the maintenance man come, coming up the hall says, could I help you? I said, no, we're here to see Dave. And uh, he said, Dave who? I said, Dave Dunn with the production company. He said, there ain't no Dave Dunn this year. I said, yeah, he lives right here. We've been up here before. And John said, yeah, this is the right apartment. And he said, no, you got it confused. Nobody lives in that apartment. And uh, I said, sir, we're not trying to make a lie out of you, but yes, this is the apartment. So he says, uh, I'll take you to the landlord. So he took us down to the landlord. Well, I was getting a little ruffled up. I said, look, lady. I know where I went. I've been up there twice. I said, I sat down in the couch chair in front of the big fireplace you got in the room. I said, John here was with me. John can verify it. John said, well, I've got it wrote down where he told us to come, and we, we certainly couldn't get the wrong number. And I said, I described the whole room. I described it to her. I said, they had the living room, kitchen, and the dining room over here. And I said, there was some kind of bedrooms back out and going in. But I said, there's this beautiful wood carved uh, fireplace in there with a big mirror over it and uh, she said well come with me so we went back up to where that apartment was she said you know it's really strange she said she pushed it over and she said you've been in this room before she said because you described it to a T and I looked at the fireplace it's all in place only thing was she said where's that furniture you was telling me about there was no furniture at all 
Now this stuff was heavy. Well, now, we we, left we've them. heard we've heard we've heard similar stories about this where people have gone back to like the meeting uh, place. Uh, and, and one particular incident, the room was actually filled with cobwebs, and it was a house mm-hmm. uh, on the outskirts of town. They had gone uh, back to see this person who was, uh, you know, involved in a UFO experience, mm-hmm. and the person was gone, and the house was filled with cobwebs and dust, and it looked like it hadn't been lived in for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Well, what what got us was when we got back, maybe eleven thirty, might be close to twelve, but. We got back, they still had to drive all the way back to, to where they were at, which mm-hmm. was far on the other side of the town. Uh, they had to get over there. They, there was no way to get a rental truck at that time of night, uh, no. even in Vegas. No, no, no. And, uh, and we were there at the break of day, so they couldn't, the size of this Par- furniture. Parallel, uh, parallel universe. You couldn't have moved. You walked through the door right into another dimension. You yeah. think that's possible? It was gone. It was gone. It was gone. And so that that was enough to let me know that this thing was, was something else. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, people can believe what they want to believe. It, it, it done more damage to me than good because uh, for 34 years I, I, I've quit talking about it and, and it wasn't that great of an experience to talk about. There you go. What is going on here? What happened here? I think I might have an answer. Uh, I've thought about this uh, after listening to this insane story, reading about this insane story, listening to that interview uh, today. uh, I I think I know what's going on here, uh, what these men in black might be, what's happening here, possibly. I mean, again, this is just my, this this is pure speculation. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, right? But it seems like this could be the case, what these men in black, are i think what happened in this case here these beings of course i've never seen a being i've never you, you most of us have never seen a most times aliens are not described as what's described here the beings that he saw that this johnny sand saw out in the middle of the vegas highway in the middle of the night that's you don't really hear, usually hear stuff about stuff like that i've never really heard of a description like this before uh, it's usually the greys, it's usually the reptilians, it's usually the uh, uh, the insectoids. Uh, there's some other, and, and then there's a whole cavalcade of other kinds of, of creatures that people uh, say they saw. Uh, in addition to the uh, to, to the standard ones, the ones, the regulars that we that we hear about, the ones that are always uh, involved in abductions, apparently. So these beings show up. What's going on? They, they're asking questions about what's this going on here? What's Vegas going on? What's going on here? Right? So Sands, he doesn't say, he, he decides to go and talk about this. He tells people about it. He, he goes, first he goes to the, the police. They tell him to go to the Air Force. And the Air Force will probably tell him, because he's already at the police, he's not gonna, well, they're not going to send him back to the, to the police because that's what they usually did at that time. Uh, so, but the story ends up getting, it was in newspapers. It was, uh, it was on, he was actually featured on TV right after this incident happened. This, this, this story went public. So then the next thing you know, he's, he's at this hotel, uh, you know, there's an artist there that, to, to create a rendition of what these creatures looked like that he saw. And then these men, weird men in black show up, right? Your standard men in black. Both of them were wearing black suits. It seems like they were acting almost the same way as these extraterrestrials were acting, except these guys didn't look like those extraterrestrials. But they're asking him questions, and not only that, but they're telling him, they actually, they're actually more than not just answering questions, they're actually, 
they said they say to him, "Hey, these things are from uh, the Sirius star system someplace, and they 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 have gills because they live. It's a hot planet, and they, sometimes they 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 live underwater, and or, and then they use that's where they use the gills, and then when they're uh, on the land, that's where they breathe through their 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 nose." And that's where they came from. It's like they knew, like they're telling him where these things come. So then they could disappear. Just like, I mean, humans can't disappear. The security guard follows these beings, these men in black that showed up out the door and they disappear somehow. And then somehow they show up later, despite the efforts by uh, uh, Johnny Romero, the guy who was running the uh, the hotel and the uh, and and the uh, as an inve- working as an investigator for APRO, they for despite all of his efforts, somehow they show up at uh, Johnny Sands' apartment and they just drive by. Like for what reason? They it was almost like a show of force. Show look what we could do. And then they get invited to go to this by this other dude, this Dave Dunn. Who's this guy? Right? They get invited to do some sort of a show out in the middle of the desert very strange what's going on here and then all these men at 25 to 30 men in black are standing out in the middle of nowhere and they're all arguing saying that they know too much and there's two creatures running around that look like cousin it or walking or walking cactuses i mean what the heck's going on here and so then after that and then it's not even the story's not done yet so then they go uh, they they, they want to find out what's going on with this Dave Dunn. They get dropped off. Dunn doesn't talk to them whatsoever. They get dropped off, and they both go early in the morning. The next day, they go to his apartment, and he's not there. All of this heavy uh, furniture, expensive furniture that was just there the day before is gone. I think what's going on here is this. I think that these be- the men in black, there's beings among us, just like david m jacobs talks about now i know some people are i i've received a message recently from someone saying we shouldn't listen to david m jacobs but jacobs because uh he's bad for ufology i I don't know why he's a researcher i don't see any problem with what he could there's there, there needs to be more researchers out there into alien abduction and the hybridization issue and all that kind of thing but whatever the case anyway uh just like dave uh david jacobs talks about there are beings among us i think that there are beings among us at all times they're they're here they they're controlling this planet possibly and when something like this happens when other beings show up and an incident gets publicized like this and the media picks up on it they see that and they get concerned they have they want to find out more right i think it's i think it's a concern i think what's going on here is that this planet is right now we're, we're basically not in control the human race i don't believe is in control of this planet i think it's very possible that that's the case that right now we are not in control we do not have control like we think we do we just don't i think for a long time now we possibly could be getting controlled by the aliens themselves there are alien beings among us and they're trying to keep any other kind of alien beings from coming here who think possibly looking for a new place to live. Just like, look at how we live. Look at how the human race is. What do we do? We fight over property, over land. Look what's going on right now. You have Russia trying to expand, you know, trying to take over, you know, they're still in the, uh, trying to take over Ukraine. It's the same thing, I think, possibly with the entire universe. You know, I think what's going on here is as beings find new places to live and they come here, but there's already a presence here that's, that already has already claimed it for itself and it doesn't want any outsiders coming in and when they do come in that's why men in black sometimes they'll show up ask weird questions 
right, and then take off and disappear for whatever reason because they maybe they they need to know they're trying to get more information about what beings were just had just shown up and 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 who okay who was it okay this is what they look like okay you know what don't talk about this anymore uh yeah and then they because they're i think that's what's going on i think that we are already uh we're under the control possibly under alien control here that's what that's why we can't get any answers from the government because i think that these beings obviously have agents among us and they've already infiltrated certain uh elements within the certain departments they're the ones controlling the narrative somewhere in 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 our governments to keep this they don't want the world to know what they're doing they're taking us over that's what's happening they we they're all we're already under the control for all we know we are actually extraterrestrials we are a product of them that's what that's what this could be about I know it sounds crazy, but after you read when you read a story like this and you hear this guy talking, this stuff happened. This guy went through some really weird stuff. He had an alien encounter with creatures you never you never hear some creatures that look like this. I've never seen any other story where something looked like this. And if there is, it's probably not that many. If there are other cases like this, there aren't that many. And then what happens afterward? These other people show up. They look human, but they have the ability to disappear. Right. Uh, what was going on when they when they when uh, this phony production company takes them takes them out in the desert? Uh, they know too much. There's there's threats going on. Uh, those two guys are you know uh, Johnny Sands and and Romero. Uh, they're, they're getting really worried. You know, wondering what's going on. Why are they, why you know why what's why did they bring us out here in the middle of nowhere? They're not even going to take us to the spot where the incident happened. And all these people are out there waiting for us. Twenty five to thirty other men in black. They know too much. What in God's name is going on here? They're already here, folks. They're among us. I think that that's what's going on. They're among us. These men in black are actually alien beings that are among us, and and they've taken. They they feel like they have this. They own this planet. And when other infiltrators try to come in here and check it out, and for themselves possibly, right? Uh, they they want more answers. That's why they show up, and then they tell people, hey. Don't talk about this anymore. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to get in any trouble, right? Because they, they know at some point we're probably going to figure this out. Maybe there are people within the government that have figured this out, but it might be too late. I mean, if you have... I, look what's going on right now. We have Congress passing these bills to try to pry information out of... Uh, who? Well, why do they have... They're, they're the ones who are supposed to be in control. It's like we don't, we we have lost control of this thing. Doesn't it seem like that? I don't think we control this government. We don't control the government. Our, our, the people that we elect are not controlling this and that situation. I think they're starting to understand it. I don't think they understand it, but they're starting to understand it. I don't think it's hard to... It could be the fact... What could be going on here, we are all just pawns, Right? The vast majority of us here are just pawns. And among us are beings that know a lot more than regular humans do. And who's controlling them? I, I don't know. I don't know what something weird is going on here. And I don't know. I, I'm starting to think that we are already under the control of these alien beings. That's what's happening here. That's why we can't get answers. I mean, why? Look at the situation again. Consider what's happening right now. We're playing this this game. Congress has to start uh, uh, Arrow. You Arrow's trying to get information of, about stuff that they sh- people we elect should just have access to, right? Presidents should have access to it. What, what's going on here? 
we are i think they've already infiltrated a segment of our government and they are the ones controlling this narrative it has nothing to do elected officials are, are powerless for the most part they're trying to change that i think but are they are they going to be capable of doing it i i don't think so these beings that showed up to this at this hotel and then took this guy out to the middle of the desert this is why it's because there's something else going on here that we just not a lot of us is, are just not recognizing we're already under control we are under alien control i think that that is what's going on uh, again it doesn't make me right it's this is pure speculation right but it's something we need to start thinking about that they have already infiltrated. I hear, I hear other people talking about this, and I've talked about it before. Uh, but stuff like this, stories like this, make it seem like it's very possible that that really could be the case. It doesn't make like it's starting to make sense to me now. Like I never, you, you, you would think you, we talk about these stories. People have UFO encounters. Yeah, there's alien beings, but we don't think of the big picture. What is the big picture here? Uh, and this this helps you start realizing what the big picture possibly could be that we have been under control some alien species has already claimed this planet as its own and then when there are infiltrators other creatures that come here they get all bent out of shape and they send out their agents men in black we don't know how how they operate we don't know maybe they're hybrids and that's why they look so weird who knows what's going on right they send out their agents to the people who came in contact with these other alien creatures and then uh they you know they want they want to find that they want to be sure of what what's going on here because it's hard for them to uh they it's you know other beings are going to have similar abilities as the ones that are here controlling us right now so they want to make sure about okay which ones were these okay oh yeah you know what they're from the serious uh the star system you know so yeah they they so they breathe in the, okay we know what they are now okay we're gonna we'll see you later walk out a side door and they disappear what is going on here i think that's what it could be it could be it could be that we are just the human race we're just a bunch of pawns and we're being controlled by creatures beings from other places and there are other beings coming here many many other ones coming here all the time and they want to take control they they want the, they want this planet for their own, but there's already something here. There's already something among us that has already started that process for themselves, and they don't they want to make sure that nothing else comes here. That's what's that that's what this could be all about. That's what it could be. I mean, after listening to this, reading this story today, listening to that interview, going down the rabbit hole, you start wondering, okay. We don't know what the reason. I mean, nobody really has really any clear answer, right? This, again, this is all speculation, but that's what this could be. We are under already under control. That's why our government, our president, our elected officials cannot get any answers right now. They cannot provide the answers to the American public. I'm starting to. The, the longer this goes on, the longer this cover up goes on, the more I'm starting to realize we have no control. That's why we. They're not telling us the truth because they can't. They're under the, the, the there's an alien intelligence controlling that information. They're, they are not permitted, and, and they and the way they could handle people, the way they could make make you forget things, make you uh, uh, remember, th- see, sc- put screen memories in your mind. You don't even know. You, you think something else. You, you think you see something else that's not even there. That they, they have these abilities to to control us. It's just like. We're human. The human beings were so easy, aren't we? We're just 
like we're so simple when you really break it down if you st step outside of the box and you look down at what we are right what do we do we, we drink we eat we, we we seek comfort right uh some of us you know some of us are uh are drink beer you know we we hunt uh, we go shopping we, we sit down and watch tv i mean we're just just like if, if you're a higher intelligence looking down on this it would be easy to understand us after a while we're not that complicated it's just so you know uh, we to them are the same thing as a mosquito to us a mosquito is born and the first thing it wants to do is, is it's looking for blood to some something to suck on we we know what it's up to right we already know it's very simple okay this thing lives on blood and if it's just looking for any sort of animal to land on so it could suck could suck some of that blood out when they look at us that's how simplistic we seem to them that's why it's so hard to try to prove any of this because it's because there's just a hundred steps ahead of us a million steps ahead of us there are things going on here, and I think that the human race could possibly be just pawns for some battle over land, a universal uh, uh, battle over property, and that there's we've already been claimed by something, right? And they're here, and they don't like anything else coming here. And when they do come here, they want answers, and that's when they send out their little agents, and those little agents ask a lot of weird questions, provide a lot of weird information, and then disappear. You, know, you think about things like uh, uh, alien abduction cases where a lot of times uh, people are, uh, uh, women are asked to hold babies, uh, alien hybrids, and nurse them and uh, show them uh, love. Uh, that's because these beings that have con taken control of us, they're trying to fit in. They're trying to, that's a disguise. They need to do that as they take us over. And maybe we are all at this point, maybe a lot of us are already the product of, of a hybridization program. We just don't realize it. It's not just evolution. There's more to it than that. And we just don't know it. But we might be starting to know it. And maybe people in Congress are starting to know something's been up too. I mean, how could we not know this? Why does it have to be so complicated, right? Why are all these layers? Why are all these? Or, or, or why do all these layers of secrecy exist that we have to get through to get to the to the answers that we want that we know there have to be there somewhere, right? Because something else is controlling this. It's not people. It's something else. Anyway, uh, thanks a lot for joining me. Until next time.